I will have a, a few more words to speak next week, but I'm starting a new ministry. I, I came up with two or three different names and every one of them was taken. So we finally came up with a new name. Uh, it's called Act Two. Act One has been over 45 years of pastoral ministry. Act Two now goes into global ministry and I'll be traveling uh, around the world, but primarily in, in uh, Eastern Europe in the countries of Belarus and uh, Georgia, not Georgia, Georgia, and uh, several other places that we're looking forward to. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2 and verses uh, 1 through 5, we'll read now, but keep your Bible open. We'll come back and finish up with a few other verses here in just a moment. Uh, Philippians 2. Now let me ask you a question. What would your message be if you thought it was going to be the last message you preach to a body of believers? What would you say? What if you knew that there's a very real possibility that you would never stand before a group of believers again and you wanted to share what God had laid upon your heart and you asked God for wisdom and guidance and direction, that would have to be a tough thing because I believe there are so many things a pastor as many years as I've pastored would like to say to a congregation. Most of it I can't say. I looked at biblical characters. I, I, I looked at prophets and priests and kings. Uh, I looked at apostles. But the one that I kept coming back to, the one that I kept seeing was that guy that kept going on those missionary journeys. That guy that kept going and establishing churches and then moving out again into another area of ministry. And, and so I don't see it as retirement as some people do. I just see it as act two, moving out into another area of ministry. And there's a very good possibility that you and I will probably never share this particular moment again. And so God began to work with me a few weeks ago, and, and, and I only changed sermons about 10 times. But, but this one kept coming back and coming back, this passage of Scripture. And, and let me just simply share this passage. Normally I make you stand, but you know what? For the first time in 40-something years, you got a break. Just sit there and listen. He says, Paul says in Philippians, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also 
in Christ Jesus. When Paul wrote these words in the book of Philippians, if you go back and study a little bit about what was going on, it appears there might have been a, a, a little disharmony going on, a, a little bit lack of unity. Maybe, maybe they were struggling to put some things together. And, and Paul says, listen, I want to send you a word in my final word. Make sure that you're the same mind. Make sure you have the same love. Make sure that you you have the same compassion and the same calling. When when these two churches voted to to come together, the week before, I had several of my pastor friends, not in Louisiana, but from around who were friends on Facebook, call me personally and say, are you really going to do this? And I said, no, no, you misunderstood. God's going to do this. And he said, well, you've lost your mind. When they fire you, we'll get you to another church. And when I called him back and I said, guess what the vote was? He said, I can only imagine. And I told him it was 100% both ways. And there was a long silence. And finally he said, well, that's your first hurdle. They'll never get along. They'll never be able to come together and be one church. So I'm going to say this to you, Sherwood, and you, Living Hope, now known as Living Hope Fellowship in Sherwood. I'm so proud of you. For the most part, you've been one mind and one heart and one love. And that's all I ever wanted for this church. Because I know that God has a plan for here. You could call yourself the First Baptist Church of Boogeyman. And if you were doing God's will, God would bless. So Paul's writing in those few verses, make sure that you have this same walk together. Now, folks, you can't do that unless you pray together. And love together. And we're going to look at some things here in just a moment. How many know who William Booth is? Not not John Wilkes Booth. William Booth. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. Awesome Christian man. Great man. If you haven't read about him, you need to get a book and read about William Booth. Read about his vision and his love for lost people. Read about his vision for for God's people working together. I'm going to tell you what, I've worked with the Salvation Army a lot in all these years. And I'm going to tell you what, they've got a commitment that a lot of relief organizations do not have because their commitment is to Jesus Christ. William Booth, towards the end of his life, could not make it to the last convention of the Salvation Army Just before his death, they were meeting and he couldn't come. So he sent a telegram. And in that telegram, he wrote one single word. To be read to the whole convention. It is the word others. If there has tried, in my part, if I've tried to do anything in all these years of ministry, I've tried to remember it's not about me. I've tried to remember it's not even about the building. It's not necessarily about those who necessarily claim the name of Christ, but it is about others. 
especially outside the church. But it's also about others inside the church. I look out here and and now I've got most everybody's name down pat. A few of you still look a little strange, but I would just think you're some of my family. Folks, I want to talk to you in what time I've got about that one single word. If I had a final message to you, if I'm going to say anything this morning to you that I hope that you'll carry from now on out, it is the word others. Now, I could tell you that I have eight points to this message or not, but it doesn't change the fact that I do have eight points to this message. But don't worry, I have a watch and my wife's in the back. She'll raise her hand when it's time. But these are not just suggestions. I want you to understand something. These are not possibilities for the church. These are eight commands that God gave us that I give to you this morning. When I leave to go to Poland or I leave to go to Belarus or I leave to go to, to, to Georgia or even this coming year in eight, uh, 19 when we go over into Moscow and St. Petersburg, when I'm going, I want you to know I'm not going for a vacation. I'm going because of others. I have preached the gospel for many, many years now. And I believe that God meant for me to do that. But now God has placed a call on my life to go where others are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But do not enjoy the same opportunities that many of us do. I'll tell you what, I I love this church and I love your staff. They are God called people. They are people that love Jesus Christ. And so I have not one worry after next Sunday when I walk away, not one, because I know their hearts. I know Josh, I know how much he loves Jesus. I know John. Listen, I love that man. He can preach, can he not? I love Megan, the encourager. Always sending me a, a message encouraging me. I love Heath. He was my worship leader. And, and believe it or not, I very seldom had to get on Heath. Maybe once. Maybe around budget time. I love Brother Bob. I went to Brother Bob and I said, I I feel God's leading me to ask you to come join our staff. And he has been a blessing and he has been a counselor and an advisor to me. So when I leave here, it's about others. Because the others here in this community, they will take care of. But just in case they mess up, I want you to know what our responsibility is when it comes to fulfilling the mission. There are eight commands. First of all, the Bible says we're to love one another. Everybody goes, well, I knew that. Listen to what it says in John 13, 34. A new commandment. You mean God didn't intend for them to love one another in the Old Testament? Of course he did. But he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you. Love ye one another. 
Did you know that command came just before his arrest and trial and crucifixion? He's one of those that's trying to wrap up and say some final words. And he says to them, you need to make sure you love one another. Did you know love covers a multitude of problems? If I can say to you, I may not like you, brother, but I love you. And I'm really worried about your self-interest and making sure you're okay and you're taken care of in the name of Jesus Christ. You can't get mad at that person. Not unless you want to disobey God. This is a love that's not optional. Listen to what it says in 1 John 4, 20. If a man says he loves God and hateth his own brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother who hath seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? We must obey the command to love. Now, you know, Old Testament love was not doing harm to someone. That's why they, where's Josh? Oh, he's in the back. He's awake. In the Old Testament, love was not doing harm to someone. But in the New Testament, I love this. In the New Testament, it says something different. It's seeking those People who have even sought to harm us or have done things against us. It's seeking to love them in in a way. I'm seeking your welfare. I'm not giving you what you want or even giving you what you deserve. I'm giving you what you need because folks, everybody, including all of the lost, need love. And they need to know that you love one another. I've pastored one or two churches where they had two sets of aisles and and you had one set over here and you had another set over here and they didn't even like each other, much less love one another. And when someone joined the church, they always were trying to recruit for which side of the aisle they went on. And I stood in the middle and I guarantee you, I needed a bulletproof vest just about every Sunday morning. And it hurt our witness because you could see the lack of love. Folks, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you what you need. Because that's what God did. I did not deserve his love. I didn't deserve the things that he's done for me and given to me. But he gave me what I need. I would tell you, love one another. Second of all, learn to receive one another. Romans 15, 7, wherefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. What does that mean? It means you welcome all people. Have you ever thought about what it is to welcome someone? Now, you know, it's so easy. I'm going to meddle Josh for just one second. It's so easy to accept someone just like us. They look like us. They sound like us. I think they're like us. And we love to wrap our arms around them and say, welcome. But what about that person that walks through the door that looks nothing like us? What about that person whose whose background is so far from what we know? Folks, there comes a point where sometimes we have to learn to receive people that are nothing like us. Because folks, the desire is to make them like Jesus, not like us. Receive one another. 
In the early church, they, they, they had different backgrounds, religious backgrounds, social, economic. Uh, there were Jews and barbarians and Greeks and slaves and free and rich. There were baby Christians and mature Christians. But guess what? They were all part of one body. You might remember that Paul preached at uh, Philippi. And there was a lady named Lydia, a trader of purple. And he went to her house to preach. And while on the street, he met a slave girl that was demon-possessed. And he won her to Christ. And then he was thrown into jail. And he won the jailer and his family to Christ. So think about this church. Intellectual Paul. A traveling sales lady. A former demon-possessed slave girl. And a hardened jailer and his family. That would be a little bit different, wouldn't it? Because I have a feeling that none of them looked like each other. But they were united. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. If I would give you a word, it would be love one another as Christ has loved you. I would tell you to receive one another. And look, folks, years ago, I was preaching in Central And one Sunday morning, the doors opened in the middle of my sermon and a guy starts walking down the aisle. And I'm going to tell you what, I know what hell's angels look like. I was sure it was him. He had on the the chaps and and the jacket and the patches. I was looking for that thing says one percenter just in case I needed to run. And, And he comes all the way down and he sits right there on the front row. I was so glad he just stopped there. And he was from Pennsylvania, we found out. He was a boiler maker down here working. But he found Christ while he was up there. So he came back down here to work. And he wanted to find a church, a church to worship in that would love him and receive him. Other than scaring the preacher slap to death and about two-thirds of the congregation, we found out later on what a godly man he was. Receive one another. Thirdly, we need to greet one another. Now, it says here in Romans 16, greet one another with a holy kiss and all the churches of Christ greet you and all the brethren greet you. So therefore, greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another. Well, there will be no kissing, okay? But folks, we need to understand that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and there is an affection that I have inbounds affection that I have for God's people. Sherwood was always a hugging church when I came here. And some of them are a kissing church. And as long as Miss Nell wants to kiss me, she can. Some of y'all cannot. Okay? <laughs> In the Middle East and over in Eastern Europe where I'm going to be working, they greet with a kiss on this side and a kiss on this side. And as far as they go, we're good there. We do it with a handshake or with an arm around the shoulder, but it expresses something. It expresses our desire to be warm. Folks, I have been to the First Baptist Church of the Frozen Popsicle. Where you walk through the door and, I mean, you could skate down the aisle. It's so cold. And I've also been to that church 
where you couldn't get to your seat because people were just swarming around you. Welcoming you and greeting you and loving you and and saying, we're glad you're here. I commission you as a church and challenge you to make yourself a committee of one as you walk up and down these hallways and, and, and in the rotunda and in the foyer and down by the fellowship hall to greet and welcome one another because you love one another and you're receiving one another. Then fourthly, care for one another. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty five that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Someone said the church is in one respect a colony of heaven where we learn to care for one another. Folks, we're, we're all different. We're, we're all different. And we have different gifts and different functions. And God uses that to make us one. But understand this, when one member of the body hurts, even if he's a retiring preacher, we all hurt. If one member of the body is going through a trial, we're all going through that trial. If someone is experiencing great tragedy in their life, we're all experiencing that tragedy with them. Because folks, that's what caring for one another is. One of the most important things I've tried to do is to know, and it's harder to do when there's a lot more people, but is to know everybody's name and to know about Aunt Susie and Grandma and Grandpa and and all of those different relatives and friends and family and neighbors across the street. Someone said, well, you should have spent more time studying those sermons. Probably so, but I'd rather spend more time making sure I'm caring. There's a balance there, and Josh has to do it all the time. There's a balance there. He has to have so many different things going on. And same thing with Megan and, and, and John and, and, and Bob and, and Heath. But you've got to make sure you care for one another. You've got your elders. I see them. Yeah, I do. We got to care. Folks, when somebody cares, listen, we live in a world where nobody cares. You go to work and nobody cares about you. But folks, when you come into this colony of heaven, we learn to care about one another. So when the body hurts, we all hurt. When the body rejoices, we all rejoice. And there's no room for for rivalry or arrogance or self-sufficiency or disunity. In fact, that self-sufficiency, I cannot do anything without Christ and neither can you. I used to think, man, I, in my first church, they said, you're the best preacher we've ever had. And I said, well, wow. Until I found out the next preacher was better than I was. Folks, there's not one of us that God could not raise up another person to take our place. Oh, preacher, that's a terrible thing to say. No, I'm just saying don't bury your talent. Don't bury your gift of compassion. Don't bury that which you can use that nobody else can in this church to meet a need of someone that's going through a hard time. Now, this this next one is a tough one. Submit to one another. 
That includes the elders and the staff. Submit to one another. Ephesians 5.21 And be subject to one another. There's that one another again. In the fear of Christ. Submission is not popular in 2018. Did you know that? You start talking about submission and the first thing you're going to hear is, well, yeah, my wife, she better submit to me. Listen, we better first of all learn to submit to God. We better learn to understand that submission is for Christians. Every so often someone will stand up and look at me, Brett, and they'll go, now, preacher, I know my rights. Josh, anybody ever said that to you? I know my rights. As a member of this church, I know my rights. Dear brother and sister, you have no rights. You died to self the day you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. I told you, you might not like this one. May I tell you respectfully that when you got saved, you accepted the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection of Christ and you invited him into your heart and you died to self. And when you do that, you will not have a problem submitting to one another because you first submit to God. If you're still in Ephesians, let me finish verse five through eight. Having this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now look at this, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. We must learn to submit to God and to one another. Number six, forbear one another. Ephesians 4 says, 1 and 2 says, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord entreats you to walk in a manner worthy of, of the calling with which you have been called and with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another. Do you know what forbearance is? I had a lot of fun with this word this week and last week too. It has a lot of meanings, but one of them is this. It is graciously putting up with the displeasing and offensive attitudes and actions of others. Now, I'm going to use a word that you younger couples may not know, or you might, but you older folks. Anybody know what the word irk means? Uh, Apparently y'all do too. Okay. Is there anybody in your family or around you that irks you? Come on now. Don't, don't raise your hand to volunteer. It, It just in your mind. Okay. Apparently there's quite a few. Would it surprise you to know that in every church I've ever pastored, there's been people that irk me? (laughs) I'm going to behave, Gloria. I just can't understand why they do some of the things they do. I'm going, sweet 
mercy almighty, what are they doing? They irk me by their manners. They, they irk me when they react towards Sunday school or a class. And you know what really irks me? When we sing, why don't people sing? You look like a, one of them cigar Indians sitting in front of a building. Okay, so you don't know the words. You don't know the tune. That's fine. Phil, sing. My mother has never known a tune in her life, but she sings. She'll be here next Sunday, and I don't know what we're going to do. I just don't, because you'll hear her, and it won't be pretty, except to Jesus. Would it surprise you that some of the members get irked at me? Who knew? As nice and wonderful and pretty and handsome and loving as I am, some people get upset with me. If you don't believe me, well, never mind. The Bible says we are to learn to forbear one another. To dwell there above with those we love, that will be glory. But to live here below with those we know, that's another story. And you can't do it without forbearing one another. And then the seventh, we're almost there. Confess and pray for one another. James says, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. and Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. When I was going through some of my worst days and some of my most difficult surgeries, Josh, First Baptist Central, one Sunday morning, told me I would not be preaching. And they brought a chair in front of that whole congregation and they put it right in front of that communion table. And they asked me to sit in that chair. And the elders of the church came forward and they anointed me with oil. And they prayed for me. I cannot tell you what that meant. But you know what? Sometimes when we know that God wants to do something for us, we are so rotten proud that we won't ask for help. We're so rotten proud that we're afraid somebody's going to find out we got faults. And by the way, you do. And we won't let people pray for us. We're, we're too proud to say, I got a problem. We're, we're too proud to say, look, I, I, I've got a problem. I've got doubts. I got family problems. I, I got person. I'm sick. I need pr-. folks. What are we here for? If it's not to help. Confess and pray to one another. That is a power that's missing in the body of Christ today. Well, I I can't confess that. I'm not saying confess everything. I had a lady one time that got saved and she says, I'd like to confess to the church. And I thought she just meant ask for repentance. And she says, now here's what I'm going to confess, preacher. And I said, stop. Third sentence she said, Josh, I said, you can't do that. Because there, were, there was somebody in the audience and there was going to be a murder that day, I'm sure. But folks, sometimes we just need 
a prayer partner. I call him an accountability partner. Someone we can go to and confess our needs and, and confess our weaknesses. I think real revival happens in a church not when you line up a series of meetings, not when you get a special preacher to come in. It's when the walls fall down because we're confessing our sin and we're getting right with God, but we're also getting one another to pray for each other and seeing what God will do. The last thing is we need to forgive one another. Now that's a tough one. It says in Ephesians 4.32, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Last Sunday morning, I preached at a little church, and I preached on forgiveness, and I used three illustrations, and I'm going to share with you, and then I'm going to close. Sometimes, rather than forgive one another, we act like animals. You ready? Hornets, toads, and whipped dogs. That's what we act like. If you mess with a... Anybody ever run into a hornet's nest while mowing or... Mm-hmm. If you mess with them, what will they do? They'll sting you right back and it hurts, doesn't it? I mean, it hurts. Sometimes people get hurt. And rather than seeking to forgive their brother and sister, they seek to sting them back. Try to hurt them back. Guys, that, that just never works. And that's not what a Christian does. Second thing is a toad. The preacher's son and I, which is why I'm the way I am, I played with the preacher's son growing up. And uh, during choir practice, we'd go out in front of the church and we'd find these big old toad frogs. Toad frogs now are small. But these were big ones. And we'd take a stick and poke them just to try to see who could make one jump the furthest. I know, do not talk to me about animal cruelty. I was nine years old, okay? I've asked God to forgive me for that and we've moved on. But we found out if you poke them enough, you know what they'll do? They'll just swell up. I've seen people get hurt and rather, Brother John, than forgiving... They don't leave, they, but they just sit there and swell up. And they'll sit there in that seat in church, and you can tell they're all swole up about something. Folks, that's not forgiveness. And the last one is whipped dogs, and we're going to close with this. My dad and I raised beagles for rabbit hunting. We had up to 13 at one time. And ever so often, one would get to hollering or barking or whatever. And my daddy would say to me at two in the morning, boy, go get that hose and turn it on them before the neighbors start calling. Well, one particular morning, I kind of had a problem with turning the hose on them. I had had enough and I took a piece of hose pipe about that long and I had planned to, Miss Peggy, tear them up with that hose. I know, nine years old, don't start on me. And there was one particular dog named Cyclops. And that's right, he only had one eye, okay? 
And I was just fixing to beat him and he ran right between my legs and he ran out into the neighborhood. And you know what he did? He stirred up every other dog in the neighborhood. Folks, sometimes when we don't forgive people, our our best bet is just to run through the congregation and just stir everybody up. Listen to me. Jesus said, if you can't forgive one another, I can't forgive you. So here's my challenge to Living Hope Fellowship in Sherwood. I think that's the whole name, right? My final word to you is this. You are so blessed. You are a wonderful congregation. You are sweet people. And I just wish I could be here. To just see what God's going to do. Because I know it's going to be great. But I have the freedom to leave because I know he's going to do something great. But I would challenge you. Don't forget to love one another. Don't forget to receive one another. Or greet one another. Or care for one another. Or submit to one another. Or forbear one another. Or pray for one another. Or even forgive one another. Because you got to leave these four walls. And that's when people are going to know who you really are based on how you live. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. It's not my invitation. It's not even the church's invitation. It's God's. And basically, it's, it's fourfold. If you do not know Jesus Christ, and you say, man, that sounds like a good set of rules to follow, just so you know, Until Jesus changes your heart and you give yourself to him, you cannot follow a single one of those commands. And so if you've never done that, I I would invite you to come talk to the staff. You can do it right here this morning. You can call them. Uh, You can call the office. You can talk to an elder. There's going to be some here at the front in just a moment. They'd be glad to talk to you about knowing Jesus. If I would say anything on my last sermon, it is this. Do not walk out this door not knowing Jesus. Second thing I would tell you is if you want to receive communion this morning. And if you want to take of what we used to call the Lord's Supper. Make sure you examine your heart first. And then you are welcome as the body to come and receive. And I I think I understand this right. If you're a Christian, you are welcome to come and receive, not just a, a member of the church. Am I right, Josh? Thirdly, if you want to give, there are some places up here. Uh, if you want to pray, you can come and kneel down here. You can come to the front and pray. Ask someone to pray with you. That's fine. I just know this. Take care of one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for what you have done in our lives that we did not deserve. Lord, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for gifts that came after that. Not that we deserved it, but you gave it to us, Father, to use in the kingdom. And I pray this morning, Father, that as this church moves forward in the days ahead, that, Lord, you will 
direct their paths, that you would give those that provide leadership wisdom from above. And most of all, Father, that every step they make would be a step that you put there and that Jesus might be glorified and magnified and the whole Baton Rouge area and the whole world would know that Living Hope Fellowship in Sherwood is serving you and willing to reach out to others in this community. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.